Hey, everybody. This is Frankie from the Breakpoint Podcast. We want to thank you all for tuning in to Marcus and I discussing our love and passion for the game of tennis. Your engagement and support goes a long way to helping this podcast continue to grow. Please be sure to give us a follow. Rate our podcast on our social channels, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or any other place that you get your podcasts. And on social media, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod 7, LinkedIn, and of course, our website, podpage.com forward slash break dash point dash podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know when there's a new episode drop and more people like you can find our podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie, my co-host, Marcus, and our special guest for today, Pete. Pete, welcome to the podcast again. I'm glad to be back, man. Very excited. It's awesome to have Pete here. He's also in Denver, Colorado now. so That's true. Sorry, Sorry Frankie. You're going to have to move next. I don't know about Denver. Um, lovely place, but I don't know about for me. Um, Marcus, why don't you tell us what we're talking about today? Our favorite tournament of the year, which uh, out of us three, I am going to be the only one, and I believe this is like pretty much one of the first times of my life not visiting, unfortunately, uh, the U.S. Open. Qualifying still going on as we speak. However, they did release the main draw for the men's and women's yesterday, and we're just going to be running through a quick preview of the usual stuff, Frankie, who we think is going to who we think is going to win at the end, um, go quarter by quarter a little bit, pick out any dark horses, pick out any surprises of the tournament, and then we'll recap it at the end of the week. How's that sound? Uh, any time with you is just delightful, Marcus. So <laughs> of course, let's continue on here. Pete can tell the sincerity in my voice there. Um, <clears throat> all right. So I think we start with the top portion of the draw here, Nets. which is going to be with, yes, in men's, uh, with Carlos Alcaraz uh, being the top dog in the top quarter. And he is joined in this quarter by Yannick Sinner. So setting up a rematch of last year's uh, signature quarterfinal there, potentially between Yannick Sinner and Carlos Alcaraz, which I think is what everybody is rooting for, because that would be pretty fantastic. Um not only because those two guys won the big Masters 1000 tune-up events going into the tournament, but just because that seems to be like the big new rivalry that's going on here. Um, but also in this draw, in this quarter rather, we have Lloyd Harris, Dan Evans, Talon Grigsbor, uh, Matteo Arnaldi, Thanasi Kokonakis, Cam Nori, Alexander Zverev, who now finds himself at n- uh, number 12 seed in a major again. So he's slowly but surely climbing up the rankings. Andy Murray is here. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov, who's been playing some really good tennis lately, is here. Stan Vavrenka is here. Lorenzo Sonigo is here. And lastly, Yannick Sinner. And that sort of rounds out the quarter. Um, Marcus and Pete, who do you think is, it, and if there is even somebody, most likely to upset Alcaraz or Yannick Sinner? Or do you think that it's a pretty straightforward collision course between the two of them? So for me, as I'm taking a look at this right now, the only guy that I could see taking out Sinner 
before he would reach the quarterfinal to face Alcraz would be Zverev. Um, reason being is Zverev has improved his form tremendously over the last couple of months, uh, and he has the game to beat Sinner in terms of kind of that bigger style, really power hitting. Um, and he's done well at the US Open. He's made the final before, uh, but Jan's also done really well at the US Open too. So that would be the only really one from that part of the quarter. I don't think anybody touches Carlos. I mean, even if there were somebody in there, I probably wouldn't pick him, but I don't see Cam Nori or Greek Spore, anybody kind of putting up a fight with Carlos. Pete, what do you think? I mean, looking at it, I don't see anything either. Honestly, you could you could see a run from Dan Evans, but that's round three, Carlos. It's it's not looking too hot. Um, looking at down Andy, I mean, he's been getting back into form, but he's still got that metal hip. It's always going to be a crutch for him. And then Thomas Martin Echeverry, he's had a good first half of the year, but we all know that hardcore aren't really his strong suit so i ironically because he's what six five or something no he's not that tall he's he's just he's the he's the new christian garen pretty much like ah, okay. does well on clay but you know hardcore will see his ranking drop again yeah i will say super compelling i think the most compelling first round match in this quarter is that the yannicks you know the yannick hoffman yannick center yeah <laughs> i'm excited for that one actually i think it could be a four potentially five it, five would be a far cry, but I think it could be a four setter for sure. But yeah, nothing, no, nothing stands out to me here. It's going to be Carlos Yannick all the way. Yeah, I think Zverev is a good point out. My sort of hesitancy with him is that I don't think that he's really been super relevant on any of the North American hardcore swings so far. Uh, whereas Sinner and Alcaraz are just pretty much at the peak that they've been this year right now. Um, I also made the mistake before I said, Carlos won Cincinnati, Novak won Cincinnati. Um, but yeah, I, I think everything that we've pointed out is pretty much spot on. Uh, I think that Dimitrov could also give, uh, Yannick a little bit of trouble if Dimitrov does end up taking out Zverev there. But I think what stands out to me here is that this is a really tough draw for either Sinner or Alcaraz, whoever, ends up making it through, um, especially Sinner. If he would have to beat Zverev and then beat Alcaraz and then beat like a Medvedev in the next round, that is pretty brutal. But overall, I think that should be relatively straightforward for either of them. So the next quarter that we go into is Daniil Medvedev's quarter, which is going to be at the top. Daniil Medvedev, we've got Chris O'Connell, Max Purcell, who played Alcaraz really, really well, took a set off of him. The return of Kei Nishikori, uh, former Cincinnati champ, uh, Borna Koric is here. Uh, Nico Jerry, who's been a podcast favorite, is here, who's in a matchup with Luca Van Ash, which actually is a really, really good first-round matchup and test for the uh, youngster Van Ash, so that's awesome. Uh, we've got Alex Mickelson from the USA. That's cool that he's going to be in there. Uh, Dusan Lajevic, Yibing Wu is another good matchup. Alex Dimonor, who's had a really nice hardcore swing here. Karen Kachanov, who we've mentioned on the podcast, has had a fantastic year. Uh, Dra Jack Draper is here. Hubi Hercash, always a threat on any fast hardcore. Unseated Matteo Berrettini, hoping to get back to form, is here. And to round it out, we've got 
uh, Andre Rublev here as well. And don't forget, uh, also another podcast favorite, and shout out to John Isner, who's going to be retiring after this tournament. Um, How did we forget the god amongst men, Guy of Monfils? I mean, playing a qualifier first round, super dark horse, I know. But, we get, you know, he's always lovable. To P- watch, Peter, are you saying he's taking out Rublev round two? I think there's a shot. I I like his chances in front of a crowd that appreciates what he does for the entertainment of tennis. I think that means he wins one set against, like, a Medvedev, sure, or Rublev, rather, um, and then promptly probably loses i just i don't think he could do it three out of five anymore but uh i hope he does well i love monfi he's good for the game so yeah what stands out to me here um for this part of the draw is that this is pretty pretty good pick and serve medvedev to make it pretty far uh the only person who i could see beating him is actually rublev but I don't know if Rublev will make it because I put a lot of stock into Kachanov at the U.S. Open. He's a multi-time semifinalist there, plays really, really well, especially against Rublev. I could see him doing some damage, and we also cannot forget about Hubi Herkash, who would have to beat Kachanov, actually. So that's a tough little part. Like for So for Rublev's section of that quarter, he's in. You know, that's going to be tough either way if he's going to be facing Herkash. Potentially Mateo, Monfils, Kachanov, all these guys are really good. But I think for the most part, Med is looking pretty solid. I think it'll be battle-tested, but in a good way, so that when he does come to those later rounds, I think he's going to be able to take out a, a Rublev or a Kachanov to make it on. So I agree, but I also disagree with you. I agree in that my favorite to go through here is definitely Daniil Medvedev. But I disagree because I think that this quarter is loaded. I think there's a lot of really, really good guys here like that could easily upset someone, if not a Medvedev. Uh, it would not surprise me if Matteo Berrettini performs well here, Hubi Herkash performs well here, if uh, excuse me, if if a Hubi Herkash performs well here, if a Kachanov ends up making it through this quarter, it would not surprise me. And we really can't discount Demonor either after he just made the final at a Masters 1000 on a hard court. Eh, I can't. And and also even Nico Jarry, big serve, plays well. Like any of these guys with that big serve, if they're having a good day, they're going to be tough to beat on a surface at the US Open Is is my sort of thought. Word on the street is that the courts are playing slower this year. Well, there I would agree with that because it's really humid here and it's not very hot. It has not really been cracking above eighty-five um, for this. Uh, for those, well, I'm in Queens, so it's I can tell you uh, we've had a really low um, number of days above ninety degrees here over the summer. We've only had six so far. For reference, last year we had fifteen. Uh, so we're having like a really mild summer uh, in Queens. So I, it does not surprise me that the courts are playing slower. Usually the U.S. Open, like they're baking. But now it's it's been relatively mild. And I just checked the weather report before we got on today. And it's not going to crack above 82 next week. Wow. Yeah, that's a pretty cold U.S. Open. I will say on an actually serious note, the... The upset I called before, the odds of that happening are low, but, you know, we'd all love to see it. I do think, actually, that Borna Chorich has a chance of upsetting Medi. 
simply because he's playing this tune-up right now in Winston-Salem, and he looks really, really solid. I mean, we all know just how brutally solid he is, but a bunch of these matches down there in, I think, arguably harsher conditions, he is just staying out on court for two to three hours and not given an inch. And I think that right now, Medvedev is not having as good of a tail end of a year and it could be grounds for an upset. The only thing I would say to that, Pete, is that I think him playing Winston-Salem and doing well is actually going to backfire. Right. And that was going to say, caveat, he will be tired going in. doesn't matter how good you feel you're playing a match every day for a week prior to the main. Of course, you're going to be tired. So, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. But I think it could happen. Yeah, I know. I, I I agree with that. That Koric is the kind of guy that probably would give Medvedev a lot of trouble just because of how stable he is. So, you know, if Medvedev is having an off day or the crowd starts, you know, going at him again, it wouldn't surprise me if something happened there. But either way, I think that this quarter is really loaded. There's a lot of very good, even second round matchups that could happen here. So that'll be uh, a quarter for everybody to watch. So then that leaves us, uh, that moves us on rather to the third quarter, um, which of course you knew these two were going to be matched up again somehow is Casper Ruud and Holger Runa's uh, quarter. So Casper uh, Ruud is on top here as the five seed. We've got JJ Wolf in here. Uh, Zizhen Zhang is here. Uh, Seb Korda is here, but I am not, as I was saying to Marcus before we started, I'm not sure if he's going to be playing in the U.S. Open because he did just pull out uh, with an ankle injury just either today or yesterday. So not 100% sure what his health level is. But if he plays, he'll be the 31 seed here. We've got Richard Gasquet, who's uh, somehow playing really well again. Makes no sense. Uh, Nakashima and Winston-Salem, mind you. Yeah. Uh, Lerner Tien is here as the wild card. Uh, he'll play Francis Tiafo. We've got his other American compatriot, Tommy Paul, here as well. Uh, we've got uh, what I think is a good first round matchup in Marcus uh, Giron and Alejandro Davidovich Fikina. Uh, Bublik is going to play team in the first round, which should be interesting. Ben Shelton is here, former podcast favorite. Aslan Karatsev is here, of course. And lastly, we've got Holger Runa at the bottom of the draw. Uh, Marcus and Pete, same question as sort of the first quarter. Are we just on a collision course of the Scandinavian Super Bowl? Or is there going to be somebody that uh, sort of interrupts that? This one's going to be upset alert. There are way, way too many Americans in this quarter. It's, it's almost like the U.S. Open put like all the promising Americans one quarter. Um, I know they do it randomly, but I'm like, come on, man. Couldn't we just flip a couple of these? Um, for me, I'm liking the way that uh, I'm actually really liking Tommy Paul's draw. Qualifier first round, relatively easy second if he makes that. And then third, Davidovich Fakina would be a good test. And then eventually Holger. And I think he's got the game to beat Holger in three out of five, especially considering that Holger's conditioning is always questionable at Grand Slams. Tommy Paul's got one of the best conditioning, some of the best conditioning on the tour. Top half of that. Um, and, and by the way, Ben Shelton could also easily fire, you know, just pure firepower take out Holger Room. Totally possible. On the top half of things, 
I'm liking TFO, but I think this is going to be one of those tournaments again where maybe we count out Casper again and they put him on like court 16 to start off again. And then I was he hoping to up, go see him tonight at the qualifiers. He's not going to uh, be there. No, I don't. I don't think so. He's not going to be they, on. He's not going to be on court court fifteen or wherever they no, put him last year. No, he's not going to be on P fifty nine. Okay. No, no. He oh, okay, be. good because you know we got to make make room for the like eightieth ranked American to go on Armstrong. So sorry, right? Precisely. Instead of the number five guy in the world, kind of wild. Yeah, that's what happened last year. So yeah, I think. Um, see the Francis the the Francis Rude matchup is tough for me because I think that's not actually a good matchup for Francis, which is why I don't think he would make it through. But again. Rude's on shaky ground. So for me, this one is actually a little bit more wide open because there's a lot of firepower in here. You know what? YOLO. I'm going with Tommy Paul to make it out of this quarter. I'm on the same page. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually agree wholeheartedly. I think there's no one else in this quarter that's playing better tennis right now than Tommy Paul. He's basically on a hot streak since Toronto, and he's going in fresh. He's not playing Winston-Salem, which is, I mean – ironic because he's literally from there you would think he would want to tune up but no i think he's i think he's going to come out of this one for sure but definitely david vichrakina is a test and i mean even before then i think actually no no scratch that i think he makes it out for sure what do you think Freggy? Yeah, i actually am leaning more towards agreeing with you than disagreeing with you um I agree that Tommy Paul probably does pull the upset over uh, Holger Runa. Uh, that I, I think he'll be the person to get to the quarters there. Um, he would be my pick. Uh, the Casper and Tiafo matchup, while on paper, I absolutely agree with you, Marcus. Game-wise, that's not a great matchup for Tiafo. Rude is like the classic sort of player that would give him uh like trouble i just don't know how it is with tiafo potentially having to play him on a nighttime on ash like i could see the crowd being a big factor there and i i i have a little bit more i'm a little bit more tentative when it comes to that those two have also never played each other which is something very interesting that i just looked up um and surprising, but so I re- so we really have no reference point uh, to like in terms of what what they would uh, what that matchup looks like. But I I think it would be it's not like Tiafo's played horrible this year. He's played decently well. He's up to top ten in the world now. And Casper Root is definitely if you were going to pick anyone in probably the top five to play. Uh, Casper Root is probably the guy that you're picking, so I just don't know who I would pick there. I think that's going to be a really, really tense matchup. My lean is towards Casper because I never really want to count him out again after the countless number of times he's just made me eat shit. But uh, I am going to go with Casper there, and then I would agree. I think Paul, this is really as good of a draw as he could have hoped for. And, you know, if he has the potential to reach now two Grand Slam semifinals in a year, right, because he reached semifinals of Australia, that would be a really massive year for him. So, yeah, I mean, he's got all the right conditions is what I would say. 
say no more. Let's go to the fourth quarter here. Uh, this one is filled up with Stefano Tsitsipas against Milos Raonic, who has made a amazing comeback this year. Um, upset alert. Upset alert. Potential upset alert. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Quinton Hales. We've got Soon Woo Kwan. Christopher Eubanks, who is seeded this time around because he made an awesome quarterfinal run at Wimbledon. Lorenzo Musetti, who is uh, Frankie's second favorite after Yannick Sinner, as we all know. Taylor Fritz, Mr. America over here, playing against another American we've not seen since probably US, USC days, Steve Johnson, uh, or since he got that type of looking mustache. I'm not going to say it because our podcast is PG, but um, FAA against Mackie McDonald. Shout out to, was it Piedmont, California? Piedmont, California, baby. Boom. Mackie. There you go. Shout out to Emma. Uh, and Brandon Nakashima at the bottom, and then this guy named Novak Djokovic, who's pretty good Serbian guy. Is, uh, I think he's a sleeper, man. I don't know. Yeah. He's, By the way, speaking, speaking of Serbia, did you guys see the clip of Viktor Troisky getting into an argument with like some random fan and qualifying? Have you seen that clip on Twitter? No, but it needs to be shared. Yeah, I'll, I'll share it with you after the pod. It was awesome. He's like just there coaching. I forgot what the name of the player he coaches is. And like some guy just starts like yelling at Victor Troisky saying like, like, I can't say the words not appropriate for our for our podcast. But uh, yeah, just start going at him. And Victor Troisky's like, do you know who I am? Like just like shrugging his shoulders. And then even the crowd is just like, dude, he's a former player. What are you saying? Um, it was just fantastic. Everyone should look that up on Twitter if you get a chance. Now called X. Uh, Excuse yeah. me, X Corp. Yeah. I can't believe that Victor Troitsky is coaching. Can you imagine him having having him as your coach? Um, you know who should be uh, hiring Victor Troitsky is uh, Stefano Sitsipas, who is also a uh, a notable level headed man. Um, that would be a perfect matchup, and plus they and could the probably most, both speak Russian to each other, so that in also the works most out. Unironic fashion that's actually both hilarious and so so accurate. That'd actually be a really good idea. I cannot believe that. Can we petition to make that happen? Anyways, we're getting way off topic. Um, for this quarter, Frankie, what I'm seeing here, and I'll get Pete's opinion in a second, is that uh, Novak Djokovic makes it through without an issue. Want to get that out of the way. But in terms of who's going to contend with him here, I would like to say Taylor Fritz. Probably not going to happen because every time we pick him, he always craps it. FAA definitely losing the Mackie first round. Um, I could see Sarundalo having a good match with Novak, but not beating him. Uh, and I would love, I would love nothing more than to see Chris Eubanks beat Sitsipas. I would love nothing more. Other than that, I, I don't really even know who comes out of the top half, and it doesn't really matter to me because Djokovic is making it through the quarters. Yeah, Pete? yeah. I gotta say, Novak. Total dark horse. Never expect him to make it anyway. You know, it's not like he's got like 35 grand slams. So it's okay. You don't need to worry about him. And then I think, okay, I think Sarundalo definitely has a good chance to make it out there. He'll give Novak a good match, but it's fine. He'll end it in like two hours anyway. Uh, Mackie McDonald definitely takes out FAA. I don't see any reason why that can't happen. And I actually see, I see that upset of Milos and Stefanos. I think that that's a very doable upset. And if it doesn't happen, I think I would like Chris Eubanks to take him out too. Although 
you know, you don't want to count down Lorenzo Musetti. He's got a qualifier first round. I don't know if he's on also a, a poor tail end of the year, but he's been playing well over the last 12 months generally. So we'll see how it goes. Really high praise for Stefano Tsitsipas on this podcast. Frankie, another native Greek. Let's hear it. I mean, and we know my opinion of, you know, second round Tsitsipas at this point. But, um, I mean, Tsitsipas, yeah, I, he probably does beat Raonic. I think I would be too harsh to say that he loses to Raonic in the first round. A guy who's played like three ATP matches in like five years at this point. If he loses to Milos Raonic, I mean, really just, I don't know what to do at that point. But um, even if he does get past him, I, I think he probably has a lot of trouble with either Christopher Eubanks um, or if he gets past Eubanks, which I don't really think he will, to be honest. I think Eubanks is having a really, really great year. Uh, I think Musetti probably would beat him. Um, Musetti is just like, again, like a super crafty one-handed backhand kind of guy that if Musetti is smart, will just push everything towards the backhand side. And, you know, I'll take Musetti's one-handed backhand over Stefanos's one-handed backhand every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Right. So I, I think that's another tough matchup for him. Uh, so I actually probably would pick Musetti to come out of that little section there um, just because I think he has been playing decently well. He's improved upon his serve quite a bit. So, you know, fair enough. But it wouldn't surprise me if a Chris Eubanks came out. I, I think he's, you know, really being legit home home crowd. He'll get stadium courts, have a ton of support behind him. So, yeah, totally wouldn't surprise me. Uh, on the other end of the American spectrum, I am not expecting a lot of Taylor Fritz, who has not really been playing super well over the past few weeks here. Uh, Steve Johnson, easy enough. I, I mean, if he loses to Steve Johnson, something's really wrong. But that matchup potentially that he would have with Lorenzo Musetti, I think it is, in round three, that's tough. I don't know if he gets past that, even with having the crowd on his side. The thing about a player like Musetti is that he is so good at turning any crowd that's either with him or against him on his side and sort of getting them all riled up. Uh, whereas Fritz, I think if he even got like a whiff of the American crowd being against him would just have a total mental breakdown, quite honestly. Uh, so I, I think Musetti's showmanship could potentially bother someone like Fritz on like an ash in a, either a night session or a signature match on a day session. I could totally see that happening. Uh, as for the bottom uh, portion of this, FAA McDonald, I think that's going to be a complete toss-up. Uh, FAA could very well blow him away if he's actually feeling like playing tennis today. But on the other hand, if he like if it rains the wrong way and he gets a soreness in his ankle, like uh, he could totally flame out. And Mackey's the kind of guy that's super consistent, super in shape. It, any sort of weakness or uh, irrationality that's going on with FAA, Mackey will make him pay for it. So that, I agree, is, is going to be one to watch. I agree with Pete. Sarundalo is going to give uh, a great matchup to Novak. The problem is that he's playing Novak Djokovic, so he's going to lose. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Novak by a bajillion in this quarter. I mean, this is a home run quarter for Novak. This is the easiest quarter that he could have probably hoped for, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and now now that we're going to move on to quarterfinal predictions here, I think that this is actually the best freaking draw that he could have ever wished for in general. Because if we move things on here, let's take a look. So if we've got Djokovic, yeah, we'll do we'll do like the very broad strokes of what we think will happen because uh, we'll probably save like our quarterfinals and onward for like the midweek review. Yeah. Um, but we'll we can do like the broad strokes of like who we think gets out of the top half, who we think gets out of the bottom half, and then so who we the... think wins. We'll do that so that way we have somebody to at least hold us accountable. True. I mean, Pete, who do you think is making out of this bottom half? You think it's going to be Pavel Kotov or Novak Djokovic? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, what a what an absolute toss up, man. <laughs> that two seed very uncompelling honestly like i said it's not like he just won a four hour masters a thousand final you know very very average player very uninteresting unfamiliar it's his worst slam he's only won it three times (laughs) what were you doing at age 36 Well, but regardless, uh, no, on a serious note, I actually wanted to ask you guys, if you had to pick one dark horse to surprise everybody, pull off a couple upsets, maybe make a deep run, who would it be? Whole draw. Define Before dark even horse. Do- Is that somebody that's not in like the top five for like betting odds or something like that? A non-seed. I actually have my pick and he's in this quarter, but I want to hear you guys first. Oh, a non-seed. Okay, you can go first while I look through. Okay. I feel like we might pick his then after he says it. I think Miomir Kesmanovic is a very dark horse. Would you like some reason? <laughs> I've, I've never been more disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Frankie? Same page? Uh, I mean, I'm not... I, I mean, of the unseated players, I think that... Kazmanovich is is towards the top, like the higher end of that. I so I'm not disappointed if the if the sort of barrier that we're using here is non seated. Um, I would unseated, either I'll go Ben Shelton. Yeah, Shelton's a good shout. Shelton is definitely a good shout. Uh, I mean, to be honest, even a Dominic team I think would be a good shout for a for a non seated player. I mean, I know he's got a tough matchup in the first round, but. Uh, I mean, the guy has won this tournament, so <laughs> you got to figure he's a, a pretty good shot for a dark horse. Yeah, last but time I don't, I don't know. Or... I, I uh, you know, more than I have at sort of the other majors we've had so far this year, um, which is odd because the U.S. Open actually does have the most variety out of all of the other majors. So we should be picking people who are a little bit more off the run. Um, I think that this is like very clearly the top top dogs are in a collision course and we're sort of heading into another era where it's like there's three or four very well-defined contenders and then there's everybody else uh i think of like the non-big three big four you know players so call it alcaraz sinner medvedev um and Djokovic. of like the guys that are not those four uh i would probably say that karen kachanov is somebody who i think is a very interesting pick and like if he's playing well could totally look you know run the table would not surprise me when the guy's been healthy he's played super well in all of these grand slams this year so i i would not be surprised if if he performs very well here 
that answer your question, Pete? No. <laughs> but yes, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Did you say someone? Who'd you say? I said Shelton. Okay. Anything, okay, okay. But yeah. All right. So bottom half, I think Pete and I are con- in consensus that, and Frankie, you confirm also. Oh, but, actually, uh, I changed my pick for non-seeded. Um, for me, it's Arthur Fee, who is one of the youngsters that I pointed out uh, at the beginning of the year. I think he is absolutely phenomenal. Um, he's had a really, really good year so far. Obviously, his draw kind of sucks because he would run into Alcaraz, which, you know, Alcaraz and... Yeah, I mean, he could beat Nori. So I guess he would run into Alcaraz in the round of 16, which kind of sucks. But Ooh. still, um, I mean, I, if we're talking about a complete dark horse out of nowhere, give me Arthur Fee. Sure. Uh, where who is he playing against? F I L S. He's playing Greekspor. Okay. Yeah, he's, play, yeah. he's playing Greekspor first round. Okay. So. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that's not. A, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. Yeah. Um. um okay. okay. So Frankie, let's let's also... do, let's do yeah let's do top uh, pick. Uh, give us your pick for top half. Give us your pick for bottom half. I mean, tops Carlos. It's gonna be a Carlos Novak show it's be again. Carlos Novak. Yeah. I mean, uh, if we're, if we're yeah. picking statistically, we're picking based on literally what happened last weekend. It, it's just you know they're the two hottest players in the world right now going in. Yeah, I mean, I would say that Sinner is the most likely to throw the wrench in, but I can't really see it not being Carlos and Novak. And I actually would pick Carlos to win this whole thing. He would be my pick to to win. 100% agree. I think in three out of five, and I, I, I think I texted you about this, Marcus, but like I actually, in a weird way, think that a three out of five format is better for Carlos in this matchup because it gives him time to adjust and like chug his pickle juice to uncramp or whatever else is going on with his body. Uh, obviously, that's like in contrast to Novak's normal sort of strategy of like, you give him time to pick you apart in a longer match, he's going to kill you. And first he takes your legs. But I actually think Carlos seems to be the only player that that doesn't necessarily apply for in a weird sort of way that I'm still trying to figure out. And Wimbledon this year being like the prime example of that. But I I think that Carlos is my pick uh, just because I think the crowd will probably be with him. He's going to be the defending champion yeah, I, I would take Carlos. Yeah, and I think the, the little bit qu- quicker conditions than usual, although this year it's a little bit slower, but I actually think that works out nicely for him because he has a little bit more time to set up. Also, Djokovic does not like heat and humidity. Um, so, I mean, it depends on what we get that Labor Day weekend, but I know he does not like the humidity, so that's kind of pro-Carlos. I think if Carlos and his team are just kind of able to calm him down from his emotional cramps or from his physical cramps with pickle juice, electrolytes, whatever else he needs to get in his body. I think this is a great matchup for Carlos. And I think that he learned a lot. I mean, they learned a lot about each other from this last Cincinnati match, but I think, I think Carlos came away with more to learn from than Djokovic came with to learn from, because I think Djokovic pretty much exhausted all options to win that match Whereas Carlos is like, aha, I know where I need to change things now in the upcoming match. Can we also keep it real? What is there more for that guy to do? I mean, I, I joke a lot and I, I say all these things, but 
you know, w- what is there more for him to learn? What is there more for him to do? He's literally setting the bar higher every single time he makes a deep run. Carlos? No, Novak. Yeah. I mean- so realistically, it's everybody's going to have to try to catch him for the rest of his career. And Carlos is still young. He's already literally the best player in the world and has so much more potential. So I think, I think, yeah, I think we're all on the same page here. I think he takes it open. I I think you bring up an interesting point, Pete, because it's something I've been thinking about with Novak a lot. This is the first time in Novak's career where he really doesn't have anything to prove, right? I mean, this is the first few months where he doesn't have anything to prove. He's got the Grand Slam lead for the first time outright. Nothing to prove there. He's won this tournament three times. Nothing to prove there. He's like undisputedly, like statistically the best player that's played the game. Like, I, I don't know anyone who disagrees with that. I I just, I'm wondering if like that fire and that sort of underdog mentality and prove them wrong mentality that Novak has had for all these years. I'm wondering if because he doesn't have anything to prove that there's a little bit of downside that, that we might start to see him do like, this might be the start of the, of the quote unquote decline. I disagree. You understand what I mean? I do, but I disagree. Cause I think, I think like, I, I see what you're coming from, but I think Carlos has now introduced another obstacle where he's like, Oh, like, let's see if I can do this. Because he said it before, he's never played anybody like Carlos, and there's pretty much never been anybody like Carlos. And now this is a whole new stratosphere of I need to, I want to see how far I can. And I think that's why he, honestly, I was kind of shocked that he went all in on this Cincinnati match because I really thought that he was not going to tank, but I thought that he was maybe just going to lose and rest for the open, but he went all in and I think this was to prove to himself that like I can do this because I think that that Wimbledon match is bugging him and I think he wants to do the same thing at the open and I think he needed to prove to himself a week before that like I can do this and this is this can potentially happen I think that it's for the for 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 Rafa and 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 Roger yeah it's gone now I think that like he's basically like if I can start beating Carlos on the reg then I've really made it all, especially when I'm 36 years old. I think that this is like his new, this is his new bar to jump over. Yeah, no, I mean, it's an interesting question and and we could sort of think about that and maybe that'll be its own episode uh, during the off season. That would actually be a good idea. But um, thank you for joining us, Pete. Uh, We will probably have you on again now that you're out in Denver. Um, So that'll be very fun. I'm sure that Marcus uh, and I and Pete, too, uh, will probably be doing something on the Instagram for the Open like we did last year, whether it's Instagram Lives or sort of, you know, uh, doing posts about who we think is going to win the featured match of the night. Uh, I'll be going uh, on Monday night, so I will try to get as many good photos as I can uh, from Ash Prime Time, which is always a good time. And uh, that is going to do it for us here at Breakpoint Podcast. So. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys next time. Thank you, Pete. Appreciate you guys.